0: Sasha. Hey, Courtney. Did you know that curses are more effective if you write them with calligraphy? Yeah. How so? I don't know. I think it's because you're using curses. It's food power. We're a paranormal podcast. <laughs> this one is Courtney. That one is Sasha. We are two Halloweenies. This is Spoop Hour. <laughs> it is. It we're is. having a great time. So for you, it's been a whole week since you listened to us last. For us, we literally just recorded our mini-show that is an hour long. So, so it turned out
1: to be a full episode. Yeah.
0: So we're, we're banking episodes because my life's about to become chaos slash is chaos we're making so it happen. did anything
1: happen to you this week? Well, we already uh, talked about it last week. I was going did
0: anything <laughs> that spooky happened to be in the last two minutes when you were using the bathroom? No. <laughs> How
1: about you? Well, I still have some stories left Yay! over from that ghost tour. So, ghost let me tell tour. you some more. Ghost tour. Ghost, ghost tour, tour. Ghost As tour. As always, if you've got your own ghost tour stories or recommendations for a ghost tour Mm -hmm. especially on the east coast please email spoophour at gmail.com I've been thinking a lot about the other Alexandria ghost tour we haven't done yet the southern part Mm -hmm. of Old Town Alexandria and so we should go on that one it's not hot as balls anymore oh god okay so (laughs) talked about the granddaughter we talked about okay so yes. shirley may be haunting her own tours shirley. where uh I shirley is. is the founder of the ghost tours in harper's ferry shirley
0: you can't be haunting us shirley can't be haunting of us. of course i'm haunting you of and course. also my name is shirley shirley but you know there's again it's, it's, people aren't sure yeah like
1: shirley's haunting but you know the the person who was leading the ghost tour this week was like Yeah, I mean, if I died, I would totally haunt my own ghost story. Yeah, are you kidding? Yeah. What else are you doing? Right. So, I think just even by Shirley having had her hands in Harper's Ferry for so long, her spirit (laughs) is still very, like, there. So, there is a story about a girl named Jenny. And, yeah... Okay, let me, let me just tell the story, and then I'll tell the caveat at the end. Uh-oh. Okay. So, so Jenny was a a poor girl who, after the war, decided to use one of like the story like weapon storage sheds. She kind of became a squatter. Is this um, still Civil War? Is this, yeah, pr- right okay. after Civil War, using the weapons stores to kind of have a, pl- a shelter, place to stay, mm-hmm. as many people did. They would take a lot of the abandoned structures from the from the war and um, camp out at them until they were able to find better housing. Mm-hmm. So, Jenny. Gets herself into one of these little stone ha- buildings, mm-hmm. kind of near the train tracks in Harper's Ferry. And she is warming herself up by the fire. It's a cold night. She's drinking a little bowl of broth because that's all she, you know, poor Jenny can afford. Mm-hmm. And so she's, again, by the fire, warm mm-hmm. broth. Do you know what the number one leading cause of death in women was in the 19th century? Warm broth. No. Childbirth. Yes. <laughs> Do you know what the number two de- cause of death was for Pooping. women? No. No. Good. Fires. Choice. Yes. Hey. Yes. So women <laughs> were very prone to catching fire. Why what? were they prone
0: to catching oh, fire? The
1: skirts. the
0: skirts. I was women like, had to how wear... can you be prone to catching fire? And then my brain caught yeah. up. <laughs> women
1: had to wear many layers of fabric. It was never like some weird blend. Right? It's usually cotton. Cotton mm. makes a good wick. And burns up good. Burns up good. And then women also were the ones who spent the most time tending to the fire, in the kitchen, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not like you have a gas stove or an electric stove where there's no chance of, like, sparking and, like, a spark flying at you, right? This is, like, all, like, with little pieces of wood, wood crackling and popping, sparks can fly. Mm -hmm. So poor Jenny is sitting in front of the fire, trying to warm herself up, drinking her warm broth, and the fire pops. Uh Uh-oh. And she doesn't notice that an ember gets on her skirt. Until the skirt starts getting engulfed in flames. Oh, no. So Jenny runs out of the room, runs out of her house, is trying to run for any help, but it's, you know, at night, no one's out Especially and about. Sure. She's running past the train track, or trying to run towards the train tracks, trying to run past it so she can get to the canal. Because mm-hmm. no running water. Right. Can't pour, put out your own thing. They haven't figured out stop, drop, and roll yet. Oh, no, no. Um, so as she's running... Choo, choo. Train's coming into town. Iron horse. And iron, yeah, and the iron horse is coming. Can't stop the train, but two miles back before it, oh, right? So, no. Jenny, ball of fire, conductor sees ball of fire oh my sprinting God. out at him, wondering what the hell is this ball oh. of fire. He's trying to stop the train, hits the ball of fire, Jesus. feels the jolt down the train. What a horrible way to die. Once he's able to actually stop the train, he goes out and finds the charred remains of Jenny. On On fire and hit by a train. On fire and hit by a train. pick one. Right? So everyone is sad. Especially me. (laughs) Yeah, but everyone's sad, but the conductor especially is very shocked by this screaming ball of fire that was coming at him and being shocked that, you know, okay, it was this young girl. Yeah. So a few weeks later, after Jenny is buried in an unmarked pauper's grave in Harper's Ferry... Mm -hmm.
0: Another popper's train, fairy.
1: poppers Ferry. it. Yeah, runs, it's, you know, bringing his train. Choo, 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 and then sees this giant screaming ball of fire coming at the train tracks. And so he's trying to stop the train, can't stop the train, hits it, but nothing happens. And so as he's like able to break the train, he goes out and sees, like, what did I hit? Nothing's there. So he's t- you know tells the station master, like, you know, this very strange thing happened. I saw a screaming ball of fire coming at the train tracks, and mm-hmm. my my engine was fine. Like, there was no... Nothing was hit. You know, there's no char burns or anything like that. He goes, oh, have you heard of Screaming Jenny? And Aww. the conductor's like, wait, what? And so apparently this is a thing that happens. And you can tell by listening for the train conductor's whistles. If you hear a very long whistle from, you know, a little bit farther back, it's usually because that conductor has seen Screaming Jenny before and wants to, like, warn the spirit, like, hey, I'm coming. Train's coming. Right. Okay. So the caveat here is that... This actually happened in Shepherdstown, not Harper's oh, man, Ferry. Man, I was hoping was the caveat was this never happened. Well, yeah. They don't. <laughs> Jesus. It happened in Shepherdstown, but Shirley, the ghost tour person, loved the story so much she wanted it to be, be in moved Harper's it Ferry. Over. And so there are people who are like, Oh, but I know I've seen Screaming Jenny. I know oh. I've seen a Screaming Ball of Fire, right?
0: Goodness and gracious. And So
1: people are like, Well, okay, you're either lying or Jenny is just like so enamored by like how much attention she's getting by folks in Harper's Ferry <laughs> that she's like, oh, oh, I'm gonna go just move my residual spirit oh. to Harper's Ferry.
0: Well, good for her. If that if that's the case, I hope it's true. I hope I hope she
1: enjoys the attention. Yep. And her name was actually Mary Salmon. Oh, yeah. Okay. So she wasn't really screaming Jenny, no. but she I, was I screaming Mary. Yeah. So people are like, yeah, Mary Salmon just wanted to go by the name Jenny. So she's screaming Jenny. She's a
0: fireball. <laughs> <laughs> oh that Jenny oh, she's a Jenny real, real fireball. fireball
1: real loose cannon. Okay. <laughs> real
0: gets hit by a train and bursts into flame.
1: Uh, okay, the scariest part of this ghost tour was a place called Hog Alley. Okay? Called Hog Alley. It was a very steep hill. Still a very steep hill. It was also the darkest part of Harper's Ferry at this oh. point. Like, so we're sitting on the, you know, on the curb in this alleyway, mm-hmm. and I'm like, it's very dark. I can't see anything. And the, <laughs> not
0: even the 30 to 50 feral hogs. Not
1: even 30 to 50 feral hogs, which I was thinking about when we were sitting in Hog Alley <laughs> um, earlier in the day. I mean, like, there's a nice ca- a coffee shop and like restaurant right on the corner that mm-hmm. has this little like patio, and because it's on a hill, the patio is like down below, and you can like mm-hmm. look down, and all you see is the like, top of like patio umbrellas. It's really cute. But at night, it's very scary because sure. it's just pitch dark there. So Hog Alley is named Hog Alley because that was kind of like the sewer of Harper's Ferry. Okay, You would throw out your waste right. and your scraps there. And they left, you know, there's a pig pen there. And the hogs would just, like, eat everything. Okay. Hog Alley. <laughs> so Harper's Ferry is famous because of John Brown, like, rebellion. Mm-hmm. Right? And John B- Brown's rebellion, erroneously, like, bad information trying to tell everyone, oh, John Brown and a bunch of slaves, you know, are having an uprising. Yeah. Really it was like ten white guys and like five black guys, and they didn't have a whole lot of mm-hmm. ammo or anything, but a bunch but of Guess people what decided. got
0: white people scared? Yeah.
1: <laughs> black people uprising. So so during this uprising, so called uprising, there was a young man named I have to look. I, I've opened this up, and I've already forgotten his name. Dangerfield newbie. Okay, sorry. I didn't even unlock my phone at that point. I just remembered. His name is Dangerfield newbie. I can't
0: believe
1: you forgot the name Dangerfield newbie. No, no, no. I but I remembered it before I opened my my phone. So Dangerfield newbie was a what was you know born to a a slave mother and white slave owning father. Uh oh. But the slave owning father released his son and like when he was of age, like old enough to like kind of take care of himself. Mm-hmm. And Dangerfield was taught how to read and all this stuff very educated young man and so dangerfield ends up falling in love with another young woman um on a different plantation and marries her but again slave marriages are not recognized and he works to try to to buy his wife and their children from this other guy Mm -hmm. um and every time he tries to buy it the price is raised on the 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 family of course and so his wife was also educated uh-huh. so even though the slave owner didn't want to like sell his slaves like she was educated mm-hmm. and so she would write, they would write these beautiful letters back and forth to each other mm-hmm. and so she basically wrote like please do anything to like make sure we get out oh. so dangerfield newbie aligns himself with John Brown and in this rebellion. Okay. Dangerfield newbie ends up becoming the first casualty of oh. the rebellion. At that time stuff is happening, you know, like there there are a lot of poor civilians in Harper's Ferry and in the surrounding areas if they have guns to, you know, use. Mm-hmm. And even the the, you know, Confederates and the Union soldiers at this point, they're running out of like ammo and stuff. Right. All they can, or no, this is before the war. I'm sorry, this is yeah, this is right before the war. It's like mm-hmm. 19, 1859, 1860. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so they haven't even like manufactured the bullets yet. Even though Harpers Ferry is a weapons town, they don't make ammunition; they make weapons. Okay. So they had to improvise with their own weapons. So the bullet that shot Dangerfield newbie through the neck was actually made out of a train spike. Like a like a railroad spike. Yikes. Yeah. They they cut part of it off and then use that as a bullet. Oh. So it went through his neck. But that wasn't enough for oh. this uprising thing. So they, they torture him, they lynch they lynch, oh, basically lynch God. him. They cut off what they can of him and they throw him in Hog Alley. You don't
0: like this story.
1: Right, I don't like the story either. This is like the worst story and this is what we got at the end of the tour.
0: Oh man. Um
1: I thought it was gonna be fun because his name was Dangerfield Newbie. No, no, no but hold on so so pigs eat him and
0: everything he is an
1: intellectual haunting so instead of being a residual haunting we don't see Dangerfield as like in his like worst moments thank god they only ever see him dressed in black sitting kind of somber pacing Hog Alley and, you know, just kind of looking kind of sad because he wasn't able to get his wife. Aww. What they found when they were taking his body to go bury in an unmarked grave was that in his jacket pocket was the letter from his wife saying, please do anything to get us out. Aww. The family has been lost to history. They don't know what's happened with him. But Dangerfield is still very well remembered. He even has his Aww. own Wikipedia page. Curious. he is. Just, Yeah. But yeah, he. the letter from Harriet Newby said... I want you to buy me as soon as possible for you you know if if you do not get me somebody else will oh. basically talking about like I'm just gonna go to another so I'll just end up going and I'll, I'll lose you and, you know I just I want to see you I do all you can for me which I have no doubt you will I want to see you so much the children are all well mm. the baby cannot walk yet the baby can step around anything by holding on to it very much like Agnes who's an, another daughter you know write soon and say when you think you can come your affectionate wife harriet newby Aww. so it's just like this really sad story and he's still there it's mm-hmm. it's it's really sad but he is still remembered by the town you know as this you know major ghost who's still there yeah a couple other things I think they were talking about basically just like the cemetery has a lot happening with it yeah like like, you know go there and see what you can find see if there's anything and they also talked about you know the aura photography yes and I was like ah damn Courtney and I haven't done this yet no but they were talking about like some of the weird things about aura photography include like phantom limbs Oh. and she, she was saying like okay if you take a picture of like let's say we take a picture of a tree a tree is a living thing right cut off a branch of a tree and the aura from the first photo you took of the tree with you know yeah. this many branches even if you cut it off and you take a photo of it again you'll still have that many, that branches. many branches okay and so when you take a picture of an amputee the 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 idea is that you'll still be able to see like the aura from around mm. them and so some people have come to Harper's Ferry to do aura photography and mm-hmm. will find like really weird shit. <laughs> <laughs> like,
0: so they do aura photography in Harper's Ferry? Well, no, no, no. People Damn. who do aura photography will we'll come then to go Harper's to Harper's Ferry. Damn. Yeah. Okay. Because like, part of why we haven't done it yet is because I keep trying to find a place that will take our goddamn aura photos and yeah. I can't find one. Yeah, <laughs> so
1: this is like, it's not that people, that, that they have that yeah. there. I also went to a Wendy's in <laughs> Charlestown. <laughs> Charlestown owned by some, a person Racism in the Washington slots. Yes, uh, yes, famously by Charles Washington, races and slots. Um, <laughs> but Charles Washington founded the town because again George said, "Hey family, buy up everything." <laughs> um, so we were at a Wendy's and we got back out into the car and just in big letters across the street. Psychic <gasps> and my dad was like, ooh, and I was like, we're gonna be late for the ghost tour. Aww. But what a day if I could go to a psychic and, and a, ghost a ghost tour, tour? Yeah. at the same time. It's for the best, because as we know, psychics hate you. Psychics hate me. I would have been like super depressed on this tour. You would have, yeah. Cause
0: the psychic would have been like, you suck. Have you considered not sucking? I mean
1: I was already pretty depressed when we talked about Dangerfield newbie. I mean, but yeah,
0: who I wouldn't like, be? Start with
1: Dangerfield newbie and, and then build this back up and build this back up. I was like, you don't, you haven't learned anything from Spook Hour. No,
0: we build you back up after <laughs> we break you down with mm-hmm. Spooks. So but yeah,
1: but never forget Dangerfield newbie. Yep, what a great name. I know. I know. What
0: a great dude. Right, poor guy.
1: But newbie is spelled N E W B Y, not N O O B I E.
0: So now that we've broken you down, let's build you back up. What are we talking about this week, Sasha? Curses. 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 So, we're doing an episode on curses 101. This is all courtesy of the travelingwitch.com, which I really enjoy as a I blog like name and her blog, it's very aesthetically pleasing. Oh. Basically, TTW encourage you ask yourself a few questions before you curse someone because as we all know, mm-hmm. cursing is the application of a malevolent spell against somebody that you want to harm. Mm-hmm. So, specifically, this intent of a curse is to do harm. And there are other spells if you want to, like, teach someone their lesson. But first, okay, so you've decided you want to curse someone. Yeah. Ask yourself a few things before you do. Question number one, do you want to keep this person in your life? If the answer is yes, probably don't curse them. Because, basically, even if they don't know that you have cursed them, they're going to feel the negative energy coming off of you and then they're going to respond to that and they're going to become more hostile to you. So like if I cursed you, mm-hmm. even if you're not having the effects of the curse, mm-hmm. you'll feel that I have like bad energy towards you because mm-hmm. I'm like, fuck you, I cursed you. And then you're going to be hostile to that and then it's going to fuck with our relationship and then we're going to end up not being friends anymore anyway. Yikes. So ask yourself, is the person I'm about to curse somebody that I want to have a long-term relationship with? If so, maybe don't curse them.
1: Cause I it's would gonna, never.
0: I mean, yeah. absolutely. Like after reading about this, I'm like... Basically, the only person I would really curse is in the fucking White House, let's be real, because I do not want that horrible man in my life. (laughs) Anyway, yeah, basically, it'll doom your relationship, so don't curse somebody unless you're emotionally prepared for that damage to Mm -hmm. be done. Question two, do you want this person to learn their lesson? Are you cursing them so that they'll go, maybe I shouldn't be such an asshole anymore? If so... You should know nobody learns anything from being cursed. Ooh. In the words of TTW, who thinks stuff like, look at all of this bad stuff happening to me. Maybe I should stop picking on that kid slash cheating on my girlfriend slash being racist. <laughs> the answer is no one. Nobody's going to look at terrible things that happen to them and go, you know what? I should stop being a white supremacist. Unless you point blank tell someone, hey, you know all of that shit you've been going through? It's because I cursed cursed you. you And I cursed you because you're a fucking white supremacist and I'm mad at you. They're probably not going to connect the dots on their own. Right. So TTW advises if you want to teach someone a lesson, either directly communicate with them and be like, hey, I don't like that you are picking on that child. Maybe don't pick on that child anymore. Or, you can try a different kind of spell that brings guilt to one who has wronged you. Which seems like, yeah, I want that spell. Because, again, bring the of away home. Well, I feel like
1: if anyone's cursing him right now, he's not learning anything.
0: Exactly. Well, because as TTW says, he's not going to learn anything. He's not going to learn anything. He's not going to learn anything. Question number three. Are you willing to be responsible for any energy harm or physical harm that will come to the person as a result of a curse? Basically, are you going to feel bad if something happens to them that, like permanently disfigures them or accidentally kills them. Like, if as a result of your curse, their foot gets chopped off, are you going to feel bad about that and is it going to ruin your life? If you are not ready to accept those consequences, don't curse anybody. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Final question you should ask yourself. Are you willing to accept that this curse may cause the person to change in unpleasant ways? So this kind of goes hand in hand with question number three. It's like, okay, so are you willing to accept that this could permanently disfigure them? Or... So, like, the example that she gives is, like, if you curse your ex because he's a shit, yeah. are you going to accept if, the, as a result of the curse, he becomes, like, more emotionally damaged and goes on to abuse future partners? Mm. Are you going to be okay with that responsibility, knowing that you caused these people to kind of mm. get abused because he came into their life after he had been cursed? If you're not okay with that, don't curse them. Basically, the long and short of it, to me, sounds like maybe don't curse anybody. Yeah. But that's me. As TTW says, you're the witch, you make the rules. I really like that and I want to put it on a t-shirt. You're, you're the witch, you, you make, make the rules. rules. Be and pretty, then, but also eat garbage. Yes, we have a lot of great advice on this podcast. Be pretty, eat garbage, you're the witch, you make the rules. Yeah. Just a bunch of like sassy live your best life shit. And then the traveling witch also outlines how to break a curse. Okay. which pop culture makes you believe is a lot harder. So this is one way, and I know you mentioned you also have ways to break mm-hmm. curses. So if you think you've been cursed, good news, this is the spoop hour for you. It's a five-step process that the traveling witch advises, TTW. Step one, evaluate the curse. Namely, determine if you've actually been cursed or if you're just having a bad week. Yep, yeah. This
1: one, <laughs> my mine from Learn Religions, where they talked about <laughs> paganism and Wicca, Solid. <laughs> we're saying, did someone in your life Uh, Have you angered um, or offended or hurt someone in your life in some way? You know, do you know that the person that you think has cursed you has some magical knowledge? Mm -hmm. Like, would that person have cursed you?
0: Yeah, the traveling witch is mostly like... Did you just have a bad day? Like you walked out of your house, you have a flat tire and then you were late to work and then your lunch got stolen out of the refrigerator and then you stubbed your toe. Were you cursed or is it just a bad day? Basically, it's like, is a hex or curse the only possible (laughs)
1: explanation for why you're having or why all this bad stuff is happening to you?
0: Yeah. And like also the traveling witch encourages that you reflect on yourself to determine like Do I maybe know who cursed me? Do I know somebody with magical knowledge who I've maybe wronged? Do I have a a negative feeling towards someone and I feel like that's me reflecting their energy? Mm. And then figure out what effects the curse is having on you. So that's step one is, have you been cursed? Step two, spell reflecting. Mm -hmm. Basically what you do is you try to send the magic back to the person casting it and thus break your curse. Unfortunately, this might not work because the person, if they're powerful enough, will have magical safeguards in place. So it's like the I am rubber, you are glue. Whatever curse you send back to me bounces off of me and sticks to you. (laughs) But like the magical equivalent of that. So the traveling witch is like, this is worth a shot because if it works, great. You can skip ahead to step number five. But there's a good chance it's not going to work.
1: Yeah, mine was suggesting to use a magic mirror to reflect the curse off of you. So basically, the simplest way is to just use a single mirror by consecrating it like you would do any other magical object. Sure. You place the mirror standing up in a bowl of black salt, salt, Mm -hmm. which will provide protection and repel negativity. Mm -hmm. Then in the bowl facing the mirror, you place something that represents your target, the person who had cursed you, and then Uh. you want to bounce it back to them. It could be a photo, it could be a business card, something of theirs that they own. Mm-hmm. Or even like if you put their name on a piece of paper and that should reflect the individual's energy, negative energy back at them. Mm-hmm. Another one is to create a mirror box. Um, okay. But you're using several mirrors to line the inside of a box, gluing them in place so they don't move
0: around. That sounds like a fun craft project. I'm not going to lie. Right?
1: And then once <laughs> you've done so, you place a magical link to the person inside the box and then you seal the box. Maybe use more black salt. And then do you hit it with a hammer as the emperor's new group goes? Um, in some ma- traditions... The mirror box is creating using shards of mirrors then you've smashed with a hammer while chanting the person's
0: name. Oh my god, I can't so, believe the Emperor's New Groove didn't lie to me. So basically
1: you smash, the, <laughs> smash a mirror and then use those to create this mirrored box and then put something of theirs in it to put it back towards them.
0: That also sounds um, disco fabulous.
1: My, my favorite thing about this though is this is a great method to use because smashing anything with a hammer is pretty therapeutic. But that is true. So be careful you don't cut yourself. Please wear safety glasses if you opt for this approach.
0: I got abruptly dumped in, like, in a brutal way years ago, mm-hmm. and, like, I came across in my house, like, he and I had gone to a winery, and I had, like, a commemorative glass, and I was, like, fucking mad. So I, like, went out on our patio, I put a paper bag down, because I'm very <laughs> I'm very safe, and then I took the glass and just, like, smashed the shit out of it in the paper bag, and it did feel great. Oh, good. I'm not gonna lie, I felt <laughs> a lot better after that. That's good. That's All good. right, step number three from The Traveling Witch- Try a simple curse-breaking spell. Yep. So there are a couple ways you can do this. One, you can let a source of living water carry the curse away. So basically like walk into a river and just stand for a bit and then it'll carry the curse away. You can also burn a bay leaf at dawn and again at sunset and you let the smoke waft over you. And then when it's reduced to ash, you just kind of let the ash blow away. You don't dispose of it. Okay. And then you can also use selenite to cleanse your energy field. So basic crystal shit. Uh You can also take a bath with Epsom salt and hex-breaking herbs like bay leaves, fennel, jasmine, and nettles, which I was totally on board for until we got to nettles. I was like, ooh, that sounds like a lovely, relaxing evening. Yeah. but then
1: you, you powderize the nettles. Oh, there so we go. Yeah, nettle leaves. Yeah. yeah.
0: In my head, it's just like, you do that. You can also clean your house with water infused with those hex-breaking herbs. Oh, interesting. I took a bath with lavender Epsom salt the other week, and I felt <gasps> a lot better. Oh, that's why my curse isn't working. Oh, I mean, uh... Yeah.
1: (laughs) Another way that you could do this to get, you know, like, cleanse yourself of it was Mm -hmm. with a magical poppet or a magical doll, kind of like in the Crucible. (laughs) Basically, you know, you can use poppets to place a curse on someone, but you Uh can also use it to remove a curse from yourself or from someone who's been cursed. Like a reverse voodoo doll. Yeah, basically you create a a poppet that represents yourself Mm -hmm. or the person who's, you know, got the curse, Mm -hmm. and then you charge the poppet with the task of taking on the curse. So Removing it and bringing it to them.
0: This is like that Mr. Mime move in Pokemon where he replaces himself with a little doll. Do- and then the doll sustains the damage. Yeah. And then Mr. Mime fucking pops back up like an asshole. They,
1: they literally just use the word decoy. Yeah. Which is exactly what Mr. Mime does. <laughs> and so you use the. They have instructions for how to make a puppet. And once the puppet's done, you say, I have made you and your name is whatever, you shall receive the negative energy sent by whatever in my place or in Courtney's place or whatever it is. And you place it out of the way and then once, you know, you feel like the curse has been lifted, then you take it away somewhere far away to dispose of it. Maybe light a bonfire and, you know, burn it. Mm -hmm. You could also place the poppet in a box, bury it under a thin layer of soil, and then light a fire over it. But just anything to like kind of then send the poppet on to like the next world.
0: (laughs) Okay. And then step four from the Traveling Witch is to brute force it. Yep. Basically, you use a tougher spell that involves a lot of ingredients. So you'll need like air drying clay, water charged with the sun energies, preferably at noon, a slip of paper and a pen, red ink is best, A bay leaf black candle, a fire safe container, a tool for writing in clay, and a hammer. Oh my god. And then there's a whole ritual thing you do to like brute force your way out of the curse. So like if nothing else has worked and you're like, let's fucking do this, you get all of those things. You follow all the steps. There's like an incantation that you have to say and then you have to write shit. You have to burn shit. You have to smash shit with a hammer. Like it's a whole fucking process. I was like, we do not have time to go through step by step. If you believe you've been cursed, and you need to brute force your way. Check out the traveling witch. <laughs>
1: <laughs> A couple other ways, you can do like other folk magic kind of like what we were just talking about, binding mm-hmm. and talismans. So again, they suggest, you know, doing the protective purifying purifying bath to like wash away your
0: curses. That sounds great. That.
1: Um, they also include hyssop rue and salt as some of their things so like the epsom salt and some of the other herbs that you're talking about an uncrossing spell which is the recitation of the 37th psalm and if you aren't feeling comfortable you know saying a psalm during your spell work you can also burn by uncrossing incense or burn uncosting incense, which is usually rue, hyssop, salt, sage, and frankincense, oh. to try to remove it. Okay. You could use a talisman or an amulet, so that could be something that you consecrate and charge and ritually assign the task of repelling the curse. It can also just be a piece of jewelry or something that you create for your purpose. Mm-hmm. I know that some people have used like evil eyes, yep. right? The bl- the blue glass with the white oh, and the blue, circles, yep. yeah, or even a witch's bottle oh. to divert curses or any magic sent them their way. And then another option is to do binding, which is magically tying the hands of someone who's causing harm and discontent. So that could be another way of using a poppet or creating and, like, taking the arms and, like, binding their arms with some kind of cord. or And then creating a rune or sigil to, like, bind them specifically. You could also do it with, like, a a photo or an image to write some, you know, like, the...
0: Incantations Incantations and stuff,
1: yeah. (laughs) Create a spell tablet, something that will stop them from performing negative actions towards their victim. So it might not necessarily lift the curse from you, but it's stopping the other person from From doing negative things.
0: Gotcha. Yeah.
1: And then one other suggestion was on the morning of a full moon, between sunrise and one hour, between sunrise and an hour after sunrise, cut a lemon in half, sprinkle the top of each half with sea salt, sweep your aura with one half and then the other half, kind of like you're using like like a lint brush like wipe it away (laughs) from yourself and then place both halves upon your altar and then the next morning again between sunrise and an hour after sunrise discard the halves in you know your waste trash compost whatever and then repeat the entire process with a new lemon for 12 days straight so every morning you just gotta get up early and sweep sweep yourself with a lemon yep
0: Basically, what I've learned from this is that Wicca is super interesting and deserves, like, a multi-episode series. I really fucking love (laughs) that. Right? (laughs) Like, maybe before the month of October, we just do, like, a series on Wicca. (laughs) All right. So, according to the Traveling Witch, this is where you hit step five. If Mm. you've used the method Sasha was describing, if you use the Traveling Witch's description, basically, you have now broken the curse. But your work isn't done. You'll need to do what the Traveling Witch describes as magical housekeeping mm. in order to remove any lasting energy or its effects. Basically, you're going to need to set up some protective amulets and different stuff to ward off the potential of future curses. Yep. And you're also going to want to cleanse yourself and anybody who may have come into contact with you while you were cursed, you're going to want to cleanse your house. You know, basically, just what you would think. You want to get all the bad energy and the bad vibes out, so you gotta like clean that shit up. The traveling witch advises that if you can't break the curse, it might mean you were never cursed in the first place. You're just having a bad week. Or that you cursed yourself. At which point, I put in my notes, congratulations, you you cursed cursed yourself." yourself. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. One of the very simple
1: ways of even just like protecting yourself that Wikipedia um, <laughs> Wikipedia suggested was have protecting yourself from the negative energy of others by having positive energy yourself. So even when you're having a bad week, still trying to hold on to some positive facet of yourself. So be pleasant and polite to others, Mm -hmm. being courteous to others. Even something like doing nice things for others can help you protect yourself from someone else cursing you because you're doing like good thing. Spiritual You've got armor. Spiritual armor. And they said that this can be very hard because we live in a time where, you know, many of us have the habit of worrying or stressing out over, you know, very little things. Mm-hmm. Um so they're saying that try to use this that negative energy can be neutralized by positive energy. So do your best to, you know, try to kind of recenter yourself each and every day. Mm-hmm. Also helps to avoid and engaging with negative people where you can help it, right? Because it can bring you down or if someone's making you nervous or fearful, trust your instincts and avoid that person because uh, they might, you they know, they might be trying to curse, curse you. you. And then, you know, again, saying the stuff about the evil, keep an evil eye on you, keep a witch's bottle on you, anything that can like divert What is
0: a witch's bottle?
1: It is A decoy protection item that will absorb spells that target the actual owner. It's neat looking. Yeah, it's just a little glass bottle. Something that can be closed up. So, Wikipedia actually has, like, how to make your own. So, you can have just any kind of bottle, jar, or other container that can be closed up. An item representing the subjects of the blood. uh, Sorry, of the spell. So, maybe blood, hair, nail clippings, clothing photographs. Anything you can take from yourself. Yeah. Multiple people and animals. The entire household. Anything that can be protect that you want to have protected from this. So I want to take some of my hair. I want to take some of Zelda's hair and your hair. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, I see your priorities and I appreciate them. Yeah. Also then, look how pretty this one is. Oh, that's really nice. And then items that can break up the spell or hindering a tent. So broken mirrors, glass, little barbed wires, thorns, locked, bent keys, broken glasses, you know, sharp things, little tools, and then salt. So you want to cleanse everything except the chosen, the items that are chosen, of the subjects that need to be protected. Mm -hmm. And then sprinkle salt in the bottom of your jar, put all the things you've collected to represent the subject of your jar, speak aloud the name of the person as you place the item. So I'd be like, okay, Sasha, Courtney, you know, Zelda, Mm -hmm. you know, everyone I want to protect. And then I place each symbolic item into the jar one at a time, declaring in symbolic language how an aggressor's energy will be broken up or hindered by the item. So like this broken key will, you know, stop this thing or wire mm. will stop the thing. And then you seal up the bottle. You go silently outdoors, bury the bottle somewhere near your house or maybe hide it in your walls under the stairs and then return silently and do not speak of the bottle again.
0: Hmm. I'm just thinking of those like home improvement shows where they like open up walls, and the person who put up the wall or renovated or whatever mm-hmm. left like a little note. Yeah. And so I'm just imagining you like bust through the walls and you come across somebody's witch's bottle. You're like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, what? What? All right. So now you know how to break your curse, and you're pretty sure you've been cursed. But how can you be certain? What do you what What do curses look like? Are there different kinds? Good news, TTW will tell you. <laughs> what are curses? What do just, they know? <laughs> do they know things? things? Let's find out. There are three main kinds of curses per TTW, my go-to source now. There are quick curses, long-form curses, and object-bound curses. Okay, so quick curses are things like spitting, and TTW advises against spitting on people because I'm like, yes, you should not do that. That's super gross. And also she's like, also, it turns out it's illegal. And I'm like, yes. Yes. Don't spit on people because it's technically assault. But yeah, it is assault. So yeah, Someone will probably also headbutt you back. Yeah, yeah, don't I've seen, spit on I, people, you I've weirdos. seen movies. Well, yeah, I know what's up. So spitting would be like you spit in front of or behind the person you're trying to curse or you spit on something they're going to make direct contact with, like a doorknob or a chair or whatever. <laughs> so I'm like thinking of all those stories of like waiters spitting in food. In a way, that's cursing. You can also use the evil eye to curse somebody okay. like the op- the opposite of using it as the amulet just like a quick like mm-hmm. dirty look like what the western conceptualization of the evil eye mm-hmm. is not the talisman but like giving somebody the stink eye As the name implies, quick curses are fast ways to curse someone that require minimal effort and minimal ingredients. So TTW advises using these with caution and not just like flying off the handle. The funny thing is
1: if you give someone the evil eye or like glare at them, like they immediately like get uncomfortable or angry, right? And so you definitely have succeeded in like making them feel bad.
0: You probably ruined their day. Long form curses are what typically comes to mind when someone thinks of cursing. So these are the ones that have like the laundry list of ingredients. And they have, you need to have something belonging to the person, like the lock of hair, mm-hmm. thumb, toenail, etc. This is called a tag lock, which I've known about, like, I need nail clippings for a long time. I did not know it was called a tag lock. Charmed yeah. never taught me. So now I'm thinking that show was not biographical. I, like, super want to watch Witches, Bruno. I know. A right? lot of it, like, when you were describing the lemon thing, I was imagining the scene at the end of *Witches Brew. Spoilers for *Witches Brew. With the bat what, guano? Yeah, and they're, like, trying to, like, be like, what do I have to do to make it a boy baby? And it's like, oh, you gotta do this. And he's like, okay, let's do that. And they're mm. like, boy babies. That's what I was thinking of when you were, yeah. like, lemoning. What part of the bat is the guano, Linda? Go watch *Witches Brew. It's on YouTube. It doesn't cost anything. It costs zero dollars and has great music. <laughs> and it has great dividends. Go watch it. <laughs> anyway... So, the long-form curses involve words, materials, and actions to direct your willpower and to fix the curse to the person. So, that's where you get, like, your incantations. Mm-hmm. It's not like a quick and dirty, I'm gonna spit on your ground after you've walked on it. It's like, this takes effort and time. So, when there was that Jezebel story about the group of witches who mm-hmm. were trying to curse Donald Trump, yeah. they're probably doing a long-form curse. Yes. Because they were, like, gathering together and putting energy. Mm-hmm. They weren't just, like... Bidding on his food. Yeah. Finally, you have object-bound curses. And so these are the ones that I'm mostly going to be going into a bit more later with the examples that I found mm-hmm. of cursed things. These are general curses not directed at any one person, but are instead tied to an item. So when you think about, like, the Hope Diamond, mm-hmm. it's traditionally considered mm-hmm. a cursed object, but it's not cursed because someone placed a curse on it. It's just, it's got bad juju. Yeah. Because people who come into contact with it will potentially be impacted by the curse. Object-bound curses are typically unintentional. They're tied to an extreme emotional event or an extremely traumatic event that happens near the energy or near the object, and then the energy is then tied to the object. So the, that energy is then what latches on to whoever gets the object next, which results in the curse. Mm-hmm. TTW wants you to know that this is different than a haunted object. The curse is just near something, near someone who goes through something. So, like, let's say someone got murdered Mm -hmm. and there was a painting on the wall when they were murdered. Well, Mm -hmm. that painting would now be cursed because it doesn't necessarily have their spirit in it. It was just near them when they underwent this horrible traumatic thing. But... Haunted objects literally have that person's spirit inside of them, and Mm. any negative things associated with the object are the result of the spirit being stuck in kind of a trauma loop. So if that painting, if the person who gets murdered then hops into that painting, and then the painting acts out the circumstances around the murder... That's a haunted object rather than a cursed object. Interesting.
1: James Dean died in his silver Porsche spider called Little Bastard. Uh And then the vehicle was purchased by a hot rod designer who wanted to sell it for parts. Mm -hmm. But then the curse narrative was born like when the car fell on him and crushed his legs. And then as parts of the car was sold like the curse started spreading, spreading to, to yeah and so like someone who bought the engine was killed in a car accident someone who bought the transmission was severely injured in a crash the tires blew out simultaneously sending the buyer to the hospital The shell of the car was being transported, and the truck carrying it crashed, and the driver was killed. And then the shell was stolen, and the cursive little bastard went quiet because its location became unknown. Uh So, like, everyone who got
0: that... So that would be a cursed object, object, because it's not James Dean enacting the scenario around his death. Right, it's just everything. It's just, it was near him when he died, and so now it's got bad energy that impacts everybody around. Or there is the crying
1: boy painting in England mm-hmm. um, where this the picture of this mournful child causes fires where oh, apparently, cool. okay, the source was ni- 1985 tabloid The Sun. Mm-hmm. A couple's house burned down, but the fire didn't burn the crying boy, and then... Like, someone else, like, it had the same painting, and, like, their house also burned down, but the crying boy wasn't...
0: Oh. Yeah. So. so that's just the bad energy is associated with, with the, painting, the painting, not necessarily the spirit of the person inside yeah. of it. Interesting. Huh. So, the cursed objects, mostly, that I'm going to be talking about are the result of Egyptian curses. Ooh. Like, um, like Tut's tomb. What do you think my first one, one is? is. I, I put, let's start with the big one. King Tut's curse. King Tut. So since you queued me up for that all nice, I'm going to go ahead and spike that ball that you set for me because <laughs> we're playing volleyball or badminton or sports. I know Sparts. them. Sports. Woo! Woo! We're experts. When King Tutankhamun's tomb was sealed, an inscription was placed near the door to fend off potential grave robbers. Oh. Death shall come on swift wings to him who disturbs the peace of the king. That's, like, Shakespeare's curse. Yeah. Yeah. A <laughs> on ye who move yeah. my bones. Yeah. And then his head is missing, and I don't know if that person got cursed, but I'm not going to say that they weren't cursed. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I'm just not going to try to open it up. No. We're just going to leave Shakespeare's Honestly, body Honestly,
0: I have no interest in opening up anybody's, like, tomb and disturbing their bones, unless it's part of one of the, like, cool burial rituals we talked about that one time. Yeah. Unless it's part of or that, s- I'm not going to touch your murder bones. murder
1: investigation.
0: Yes. But that's not like disturbing the, the bone. bones. It's not yeah. like once you've been laid to rest, yeah. unless we're exhuming you for purposes of investigation. I promise that unless it's for a murder investigation, I'm not going to touch your bones. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. I, I, yeah. I, I, I will not touch, touch bones. I won't. But in November 1922, Howard Carter found the tomb and was like, this inscription doesn't apply to me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm a white man. I'm
0: a white man. I can do whatever <laughs> the fuck I want. It's 1922. Howard was on an expedition funded by George Herbert, the fifth Earl of Car- Carnarvon. Carnarvon. I wrote it out like fifteen thousand times, and I was like, "I'm gonna have a hard time saying this word." And guess what? I do. <laughs> Upon the discovery, the Earl and Howard were the first people to open up the tomb and just pop on in there because curses. Who gives a shit? Who gives right? a shit? According to the lore, I'm <laughs> white. <laughs> according to the lore, I'm white. <laughs> Carnarvon died a mere five months after disturbing the peace of the king. Presumably, this is the death on swift wings (laughs) that he promised. Way to go, a-hole. Here's the great part. His cause of death? Allegedly, it was an infected mosquito bite on his cheek. Weirdly, when inspecting the body of the pharaoh, a similar lesion was found on King Tut's same cheek. You know that really terrible trailer for... Scary Stories
1: Tell in the Dark where there's, like, a girl and she has, like, a big pimple and there's, you, some, like, a leg sticking out of it. You mean
0: the one that I continuously see and then scroll past because I don't want to see that shit? I, I, I had to,
1: like, block Scary Stories Tell in the Dark on Twitter because That's I kept idea. getting I the su- suggested ads, like, oh, you like spooky shit. And,
0: like, I do, but not this. But at what cost? <laughs> at what cost? Come on, Twitter. Hey. So, also at the moment that Carnarvon died, all the lights in his house went out. Nobody knows why. There was no light. It wasn't like all the lights on the street went out because there was a bolt of lightning. Nope. Just his house just went dark. Huh. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Huh. Howard Carter, whom I dubbed the chief of not reading the instructions present <laughs> on tombs, extended his reading comprehension abilities to a gift for a friend. And this is probably the worst gift in the entire world, <laughs> except for that one painting on eBay that looks like it was painted in blood. Yeah. The Anguish Man. That's a terrible gift too. <laughs> this one might be worse. Carter gave his buddy Sir Bruce Ingham a paperweight made of a mummified hand, wearing a bracelet that said, "Cursed be he who moves my body; to him shall come fire, water, and pestilence." What the actual fuck? Why would you give that to your friend? Oh my god! Happy birthday, Sasha! I can't wait for you to see what I got you. Open it. It's It's a dead fucking hand with
1: a cursed bracelet (laughs) on it. Thank you.
0: But I'm the chief of not reading things because I'm white. I don't like to read. (laughs) This is the punishment. If you don't read, you're going to get cursed. As an
1: English teacher,
0: go read a fucking book. (laughs) We're going to make you a sign for your classroom that says, If you don't read, you might get cursed. Don't be like Bruce Ingham and fucking Howard Carter. Right? Read the instructions. If the instructions say you're going to get cursed, don't get upset when you're then cursed. Right? It said on the tin. Anyway, upon receiving this nightmare of a gift, which... I can only hope that Ingham was like, Thanks, Thanks. And like set it awkwardly aside. He used it, I guess. But anyway, Ingham's house burns down. Okay. He then rebuilt the house, seemingly unfazed by this turn of events. He's like, this seems fine. I'm just going to rebuild the house and keep my beloved mummy hand. But once the rebuild was complete and according to NileFM.com, Uh-huh. After, well, it was a very long process, like, it was besieged by, like, issues the entire time, sure. so, but finally, rebuilt, hooray, immediately flooded. Good. I assume at this point he got rid of the mummy hand because there aren't stories of him being impacted by the pestilence promised on the bracelet that he and Howard Carter didn't read, but I don't know have to say read a book (laughs) read the bracelet it's like seven words it's gonna take you two seconds also gross don't use a hand as a paperweight that's gross that's
1: weird it's icky it's icky
0: ultimately within a year or two of finding king tut's tomb and going inside carnarvon was joined in death by george j gould audrey herbert hugh evelyn white aaron ember and archibald douglas reed all had either come into contact with Tutankhamun's mummy or the artifacts within his tomb. Were they the victims of a curse from King Tut? Ooh. Probably not. So here's the part where I tell you that this probably isn't actually a curse, and but you still shouldn't get your friend a mummified hand for a birthday. That's yeah. a weird gift. Of the 58 people present on the expedition, the majority of whom obviously came into contact with the tomb or touched the mummy or had an artifact of some kind, Only eight died within 12 years of the expedition. So Mm -hmm. out of 58, that's basically like standard death rate because it's 1922. Like everybody was dying all the time. So for the only eight people out of 58 to die, those are good odds. Like you probably didn't die afterwards. Howard Carter, who is terrible at reading, died 17 years after the discovery of the tomb, which seems spooky. Okay, it was within 20 years. Yeah. But it was 1939, and he was 64. So, Uh, in 2019 terms, that means he was probably, like, 140. And, like, that was it, because it was 1939. So... That's fine. He seems to have died of natural causes. Not a big thing. And if anybody's going to be fucking cursed, it's going to be, I can't read. This doesn't impact me. Right. Like that Arthur meme where the little sister is like, this doesn't bother me because I can't can't read. read. The sign Uh, says DW keep out (laughs) because I can't read. This doesn't (laughs) mean anything. I can't read. (laughs) Lord Carnarvon's daughter, who was one of the first people in the tomb, lived for 57 more years after coming across the curse. Yeah. She died in 1980. So, unless it's a very slow-acting curse... Yeah, I was going to
1: say, it's just, it, like... It's just, it's just being a person. Yeah. Sometimes that's... you die,
0: sometimes you die later. Yeah, to quote Parks and Rec, some of those are symptoms, and some of those are just being, being a, a person. person. Even Carnarvon himself may not have been a victim of the curse... The lesion on... Okay, so he had frequent and severe lung infections. Like, Mm. he was just prone to them. Yeah. Which, fine, whatever. Some people are prone to that. The lesion on his face was probably not the result of a supernatural mosquito on a death mission from a dead pharaoh. (laughs) It probably was a streptococcal infection of the skin, which can sometimes trigger pneumonia. Uh. So for a man who's already prone to lung infections to get this strep infection on his face... Which can then trigger pneumonia, probably all of this combined to just make him fall victim to his, you know, standard lung issues. Yeah. So less a curse, more just he had lung problems. So, don't be afraid of King Tut's tomb. Do whatever you want. Don't read curses. I'm just kidding. That's not the the moral of the story. Yeah, and also, don't raid tombs. Yeah, also don't steal shit that doesn't belong to you, especially if it's a fucking hand. Right? I was so upset by that. And, like, they have a picture of it, and it's not even, like, you can't tell it's a hand. Because you know how, like, when there are the bits of saints that are, like, relics, and they're like, this is so-and-so's petrified heart, but it just kind of looks like a rock? Yeah. It for sure looks like a a hand. It is clearly a hand what the fuck kind of paper thanks. also I hate it like how's it gonna weigh down your paper it's gonna block the entire paper so you can't read it so it's not even a good paperweight. it's just the worst gift I hate it the worst thanks did you know that the Titanic may have been sunk as the result of a mummy's curse oh yeah so the quote unlucky mummy is the nickname of a quote painted wooden mummy board of an unidentified woman so basically it's a chunk of mummy coffin yeah <laughs> it's got like paintings and shit on it okay. pretty cool Currently, the Unlucky Mummy hangs out at the British Museum in London, and it earned its name with some spooky shit. Aw, shit. During its early days at the museum, staff would hear loud banging coming from the board, and presumably not museum staff getting it on in places where they should not. But from the board itself, they would go, because they'd hear these bangs and they'd think like is somebody breaking in to steal our artifacts and our mummy hands that Mm. we probably shouldn't have. And they would go to check it out and there would be nobody around and it would just be coming seemingly from the board itself. Mm -hmm. One man took a photograph of the mummy board Mm -hmm. and when he had the photo developed, he was horrified that there were these ghostly images that popped up in the photo that weren't there when you took the picture. That's not great. That's great. great. Yeah, seems fine. And the spooky incidents culminated in the death of a museum guard, at which point the museum was like, fuck it, we're going to shuttle this board off to the colonies and they can fucking deal with it, kind of. Basically, they were like, we're going to sell this shit, it's obviously cursed, we don't want the bad juju anymore, who wants to buy it? And an American archaeologist was like, I'll take it. So the American archaeologist picks up his prize at the museum, and then he boards his America-bound ship, you may have heard of it, it's the Titanic! Some people speculate that it was the presence of the cursed mummy board that doomed the ship to a watery grave. But really, this is all, like, creepypasta urban legend mm. bullshit because the mummy board never left the British Museum. It's mm. been there the whole time we've yeah. had it. Like,
1: this just, like, reminds me a little bit, like, thinking about the, the archaeologists and, like, the British Museum and all <laughs> that. It reminds me of Ken Hotate on um, Parks and Rec, where he's like, I know two things about white people. Or there are two things, yeah, two things I know about white people... They love Matchbox 20, and they're terrified of
0: curses. True. Yep. And that's basically all of these Egypt stories do Doobie. 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 Do. That's yeah. <laughs> our very Parks and Rec episode. In 1971, Egyptologist Walter Brian Emery also probably fell prey to a white boy curse. He found a small statue of Osiris, the god of death, during an excavation in Saqqara, At the end of the day's dig, Emery and his assistant returned to their temporary office in a village nearby. Mm -hmm. Emery brought his new statue with him, set it down, and then went to use the restroom. Emery's assistant was then dismayed to hear Emery wailing a few moments later. He burst into the restroom to find Emery clutching the sink and experiencing some kind of trauma. Later, his assistant said that Emery, quote, stood there as if paralyzed. I grabbed him by the shoulders and dragged him onto the couch. Then I ran for the telephone. Emery would be diagnosed with paralysis of the right side of the body. He was unable to speak and would die the following day, supporting rumors that the statue of Osiris that he had found had been cursed. Oh! Don't take shit that doesn't belong to you. Don't take shit that doesn't belong to you. In 2007, so some recent shit, the German embassy in Egypt received an ancient relic. Okay. Packaged with the Egyptian artifact was a note from the anonymous sender begging for help. Since he had stolen the relic, it had caused him nothing but pain and suffering for him and his family. The item, stolen with intent of being a souvenir of a fun trip to Egypt in 2004, came back to Germany with the man. Almost immediately, he started suffering from an unknown illness. As baffled doctors tried to save his life, the man eventually became feverish and paralyzed, and then he died. Ah, the relic had been sent back with the note from the thief by the thief's stepson, who believed that it was cursed. In the hope of sparing his family and saving his stepfather's soul, he shipped it back whence it came. Good. Return that shit. Yeah.
1: Return to sender. Yeah.
0: Be like, sorry, I took this. Please take it back. I don't want it. I
1: regret. It's yours. I regret everything. Yeah.
0: Pretty solid. And those are the Egyptian curses I read about. White people are scared of curses. They are scared of curses, which you would not know considering that the British Museum stole so much shit from so many places. Yeah. Yeah. Yep.
1: Yeah.
0: Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm.
1: So be good. Be nice. Be don't kind. Don't do curses. Don't do curses. If you need help getting <laughs> rid of a curse.
0: The traveling the witch-, witch is here for you. Wikipedia, They're there for you. Yeah, they got this. Like, I don't, obviously I don't believe in curses. I want to make one of those
1: bottles though. I know. It looks so cool. It
0: looks so cool. <laughs> you bury in the backyard. I have discussed previously that I am uncomfortable around antiques. Mm. So like whenever people take me antiquing, which thankfully they mostly don't do anymore because it makes me uncomfortable. Because they know. Because they know. Because I've made it clear this makes me uncomfortable. And you have good friends. And I have good friends who don't make me do things that make me uncomfortable or give me fucking mummy hands for my birthday. If you and I went to Stanton together
1: and I was like, I'm going to pop into this antique shop, I would say, hey, there's a really good ice cream shop on that block. Go hang out there, I'll be like there.
0: (laughs) Me and my phone are going to have a good afternoon, have a great time looking at stuff. There's a really nice coffee shop on that corner. I'm going to go into the store. You go over there. Yeah. I'll meet you later. Yeah, I'll be like the dog that you tie out front so you can go inside and run an errand. And I'll just be like sitting there getting pats and having a great day. Exactly. Like, it's just, it's hard to explain, but I just feel uncomfortable when I'm around, Mm -hmm. particularly a large number of antiques. Obviously, like, if there's an antique in somebody's house, I'm okay with it. But once I'm in, like, an antique shop and there's a bunch of them, I just start feeling, like, really, like, almost, like, weighed down and, like, pressure on myself. Mm -hmm. And the Reiki practitioner that I always refer to... (laughs) I asked her about it and she she gave a bullshit answer that maybe in a past life I got in trouble for breaking a cup and now I see antiques and I feel that's bad. funny.
1: For me, I'm like, I think we're allergic to mold. And yeah, it but it's probably That is
0: also <laughs> true. Like, I know for a fact I am allergic to uh, leaf molds in large quantities, but per my allergist, it's only large quantities. So if I were, like, an archivist because it's a kind of mold that's prone to old papers, mm. like, so I can have books. It's yeah. not a problem. But if I were an archivist where every single day I'm spending, you know, eight hours poring over these old-ass texts, it would be a problem. Yeah. So probably I go into antique shops and I start having a low-key allergic reaction and can't super breathe and, that's and that's why, that you makes me like uncomfortable. It. But science. Maybe it's cursed. Science. Maybe it's the curse of white people. Science. Science. <laughs> Are there any curses in our new books? I'm going to flip through Weird Virginia real quick and yeah. see if there's any curses. I will say, new roommate, pole dancing science roommate, she was like, ooh, there's a curse in Japan where you like... Take a bunch of shit and you take animal stuff and you bury it for like two weeks. Or no, oh, that's what it was. So you take a bunch of like moths uh-huh. and you put, or like bugs of any kind, you put like 30 of them in a jar and then you bury the jar for two weeks and then you undo the jar and basically only one will, bug will be left because it ate all the other ones or killed all the other ones and then you use that one to curse somebody. Oh, the
1: fun, I've watched first season of Mob Psycho 100 uh, uh-huh. the other week and... I, at the end, I'm not going to like try to like, spoil anything if you haven't watched this anime yet, but there's one particular antagonist who has a jar of bad spirits. Nice! And his goal with the jar is that if you leave all of the mo- those bad spirits in one place together, they are going to fight and eat each other to the death. And Eww. the last one remaining is the most powerful evil spirit. But... As it turns out, the most powerful evil spirit is like the, the friend. friends we made along the way. Well, it's it's like one of the protagonists, like oh. assistants, <laughs> who, oh. who's a spirit. Oh,
0: that's interesting. I fun. mean, he's a bad spirit, but, he's, but he's he becomes the most yeah, powerful. Wow. Times are tough if you are a bad spirit and you still need like an assistant job. Yeah. So according to Weird Virginia, the book that we described in our mini that was an hour long, there's The Curse of the Three Sisters, and Ooh. that is in the Potomac River, Basically, it's Which part-, part of the Potomac River, because I almost died on the Potomac River this time. oh it's between the Chain Bridge and the Francis Scott Key okay, Bridge. Okay, so it's like way down. Okay, okay was, so good. Like, Well, because if you had done this, you would have fucking done. Yeah. Because apparently it's part of a Native American curse that persists to this day. Few will cross the river at this point because of this curse. And there have been, quote, scores of people who have tried to forge the river, ford mm-hmm. the river, and they are unsuccessful and they drown.
1: I'm just thinking, when you drive over the Key Bridge, Mm -hmm. especially like on a nice weekend, you can see people paddle boarding on
0: the (laughs) (laughs) Potomac. Well, they clearly don't know about this curse. They clearly don't know about this curse. Basically, it's around the time that the first settlers came to Jamestown. Mm. There were a bunch of Native American settlements scattered along the Chesapeake Bay because we were stealing land that people already lived on. White people. There were often violent clashes between the people who already lived there, basically in those parts of Maryland, Mm. and those settled along the Potomac. And northern Iroquois tribes and the Susquehannocks would raid the river across the area of the Powhatan Confederacy, which was made up of several Algonquian tribes. The battle was frequent and bloody. Captives were usually killed or forced into slavery. Basically, after a siege of his village, the Powhatan chief was like, this is, it's quite enough. I can go out. I can find some food with my men. The chief was like, no, young sons, you can't come with me because if we get into a squabble with either these fucking colonizers or with another tribe we're at war with, you're not going to be able to defend yourselves. And the young men were like, no, we're strong and tough. We can do it. So they just they decided that they were going to impress their dad and they were going to go to a part of the river where the fish were super abundant. But it's not a good place to fish because it's an area where Susquehannock warriors were known to, like, hang out. Uh-huh. So they're running the risk of going to war with another tribe. Right. But the boys were like, nope, we're going to do it. And they went. Unfortunately, sure enough, there was a scouting party and the boys had only been fishing for a little bit of time when uh-huh. the scouts found them. And the boys were tortured and murdered no. in full view of those who had stayed behind in the village. Oh, no. So the among those who watched were three beautiful daughters of the village shaman, uh-huh. who was obviously tribal medicine man. He be- It was believed that he had powers directly from the great spirit. And these three young women were in love with the chief's sons. Oh, no. So they just watched these boys that they're in love with get tortured and murdered. So they're like, fuck that. And they decide to cross the river and persuade the rival chief to give them the bodies of the warriors that had been slain. And then while they were there, they would hypnotize the murderers with their beauty and their father's great medicine and then inflict on them a long, slow, agonizing death. So they were, like, out to get Get it done. done. So they put together a raft that they made themselves and they pushed out from shore. But unfortunately, the river was too fast, too strong, and they started to drown. So they were thrown into a rage by their inability to navigate the river and that this river was probably going to claim their lives. So they drew from the supernatural powers they inherited from their father, the shaman, Mm -hmm. and they cursed the river. If they could not cross at this point, then no no one could ever. And so the curse was forever sealed when they drowned. And the skies darkened and a storm began to rage. And then where the sisters vanished from sight... A bolt of lightning struck, so people in the village were like, Ooh, fuck. Cursed AF. Let's not do it. Oh, jeez. And so once the clouds cleared the next day, the people in the village saw that there were three large granite boulders that had appeared in the river where the girls had gone down the day before. They hadn't been there before. They were only there after the girls had died. To this day, those three rocks are still there. Law enforcement officials in the area add names to the list of river's victims with each passing year. Among them are fishermen, swimmers, and boaters who try to cross the river at this point. Mm. And people native to the area say that if a moaning cry is heard drifting across the Potomac during a storm, there will soon be another drowning. Oh no! And for those who think it's a tall tale, like me, in 1972, construction of a bridge that was supposed to span the river was interrupted by one of the worst storms in Mm. the region's history. And this was in 1972. Yeah. Like, that is a powerful-ass curse. Those who knew of the legend saw a strange parallel between the storms that came that summer and the storms that came after the curse was pronounced by the Three Sisters. And ironically... The uh, construction framework for that bridge had been named the Three Sisters Bridge. Mm. And this is now known as the Curse of the Three Sisters. This book is fucking great. I love it. Weird Virginia is my new favorite book. I can't wait to talk about it. It's so good. Oh my god. So don't do curses. Don't do curses. Just be a good person. To be a good person, don't curse your shit. Don't steal other people's cursed shit. If you think you've been cursed, really make sure you're not just having a bad day. and then You maybe might just be a little, having a bad day. Might, we've all been there where it's like, God, what is going on with me today? Yep. Not you're not if cursed. If you are, go ahead and take an Epsom salt bath with some lavender. Right. Because even if you aren't cursed, it's going to make you feel It'll better. It'll make you feel so much better. You're just got to soak it good. Yeah. Light like some herbal candles. Yeah. So Rub some great. bay leaves all over your body. Wash up with some lemon. Yeah. Just shove a nettle where you need to. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Go relax. You've earned it. You've earned it. No curses. Hey folks, how's it going? My name is Augie and I host a podcast called The Short Stories of Augie Peterson. Once upon a time, I had two blogs. Then one day I started listening to podcasts. They seemed like a lot of fun and would combine the thing I was always afraid to share with the world, my writing, with the thing I had no choice but to share with the world, my theater background. So I decided to combine them into a podcast for those millennials that don't have time to read two blogs. I read the original horror stories I write on Tuesdays and review really terrible horror movies with massive amounts of sass on Thursdays. On the first Saturday of each month, I tell my listeners about five new indie artists that I have interviewed that I think they should know about. So if you like dorks, horror, and indie artists, this is the podcast for you. Check out the short stories of Augie Peterson wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information, check out augiepeterson.wordpress.com. Toodaloo! I've got an object bound your curse if you scratch out my fucking sofa, you dickhead. I love you. This is not punishment. Yeah, I'm not gonna touch your bones, sir. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs>